0: Hi, Vetfolio Voice listeners, welcome back. We've got another fishbowl episode for you. This was the second episode we recorded in the fishbowl, so I was starting to kind of get my feet under me and really enjoy it, and we had a lot of fun. And not only was it super fun to be in the fishbowl, but it was extra special because I was joined by one of my colleagues who I'm lucky enough to work with on a weekly basis at Newberry Animal Hospital, and that is Dr. Ruth Ann Spinoza. Now, I love working with Dr. Spinoza. She is not only a fantastic integrative general practitioner who always seems to be there when I need her. I've had a couple of cases recently that have really stumped me and she seems to walk in at the exact moment I'm about to start pulling all of my hair out and just give me the answers that I need. It's kind of magical. She's also an owner and a leader in this practice and let me tell you, she's way too humble but just absolutely excels as a leader and is an amazing person to work for. For this episode, we're talking about her experience as an integrative practitioner, particularly with regard to cats. And this episode stemmed from this night not too long ago, I got home and I just had this big smile on my face because I had a text from Ruth Ann saying she had listened to an episode featuring Dr. Nicole Sheehan about simple hacks for improving quality of life in senior dogs. She said it was great and she was glad that information was getting out there because it was so simple but so important. So I said, well, let's continue the conversation and talk about your experience with integrative medicine and specifically nutrition as a general practitioner. In the episode with Dr. Sheehan, we focused on dogs so, for this one, we decided to take a more feline centric approach and talk about some integrative principles for cats and specifically focus on diet and nutrition and Dr. Spinoza's experience with dietary management of healthy cats and specific disease conditions. Dr. Ruth Ann Spinoza graduated from the University of Florida College of Agriculture and Life Sciences with a bachelor's in animal sciences in 2001. She continued her studies at the University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine and obtained her DVM in 2005. She's also a graduate of the Chi Institute. Dr. Spinoza enjoys all aspects of veterinary medicine with a special interest in acupuncture, feline medicine, and dermatology. Dr. Spinoza's husband Chris is a clinical with Gore, a medical devices company. They have two children, Emma and Ian, one mixed breed dog named Finn, three cats, and two guinea pigs. In her spare time, Dr. Spinoza enjoys reading, running, riding horses, and gardening. And I have to say I've personally benefited from some of that gardening. I have some of her aloe plants planted in my yard here and the poor things seem to have survived the winter. So hopefully they'll get a chance to really thrive going into this next summer. Okay, enough about my plants. Let's get into the episode. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us for this episode. I am joined by Dr. Ruth Ann Spinoza, who I'm lucky enough to call my colleague at. We work at the same animal hospital, and it is wonderful working together, working for you. You're a, a great supervisor. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Cassie, for having me here. It's so great to be here and see you in a whole different area than I do in the hospital you know it's funny I just take off one hat put on (laughs) another hat and it's
0: whole new whole new Cassie that's not true I promise guys same Cassie all the way around <laughs> but we're recording live from VMX. We're in this fishbowl recording. Yeah, it's a fishbowl. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It's kind of fun. People are coming up and, like, there's occasional picture taking. It's kind of interesting. There's a game show next to us, so we're getting these occasional, like, Mario mm-hmm. sounding yes. sound effects.
1: So, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting I recording. I had my picture with a DeLorean just a few minutes ago. I Amazing. I just messaged it to my family because they love Back to the Future. The 80s were such a good time. Yeah, they were. They yes. were. Yes, yeah. i
0: I don't remember that much of them. Um, I was yeah I this like I used to be like no I, re- I was born in the 80s now I'm like yes but not that much into the 80s. I'm not that old.
1: <laughs> I remember more of the 80s. But potentially. Not yes. much more of the not 80s much. Yeah. No, not much. But good times to be had. Yes. So. Yes.
0: Well, we're talking today a little bit about feline nutrition mm-hmm. and integrative medicine. And kind of the inspiration we had for this podcast was I had this big smile on my face when I got home one day from work and I had a text message from you that you had listened to one of the podcast episodes with Dr. Nicole Sheehan, who is a veterinary herbalist. I love talking to her and we really get into a lot of integrative care when when her and I talk and I was so thrilled that you had listened to and enjoyed that episode. You are also an integrative practitioner and so we decided to kind of come back around and maybe talk about the feline side Mm -hmm, of things. mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and, yeah. um, you know, in integrative care and general practice? And you, you wear a lot of different hats as well. I do wear
1: a lot of different hats. Yes, yes. I don't like to do the same thing for too long. Um, but I started off as a generalist. And so for the first five years of my career, I just did general medicine. And then I, I kind of got to a point where my boss was doing acupuncture. She didn't want to work as much. And I was also looking for other options of things that we could do. And so I ended up taking an acupuncture course so I could take over some of her patients and then found this whole new world that didn't even exist. It's really just the options that we are limited to by medications is you know, kind of sad at times. And there's so many more options there that we can do use to help patients. So it was, it really was just eye opening. And then about, 10 years ago, the practice that I work with bought a very small holistic hospital. And so I kind of was charged with getting that up and running. And so really for the last 10 years, that has been a lot of what I've done is kind of build that holistic practice. And it was not something that I had a lot of experience with. I've kind of had to seek information and learn as I go. And it's kind of an isolated field. So I was so happy to listen to that podcast because she does a lot of things that I do. And it was just nice to hear somebody else doing that. And um, yeah, there's so much that we can do with nutrition. And and it's also a place where where clients ask a lot of questions. So it's good to have some answers ready for that. Well, I couldn't agree with you more about... The limitations of medications
0: and the more I learn about nutrition and some of these I'm gonna use the word integrative for lack of a better term options that we have there there's so much to it there's so much good we can do before we ever get to medications or alongside medications and there's that ounce of prevention conversation.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of it is prevention. You know, kind of our goal as a holistic practitioner is to keep the patient healthy and kind of to look at all aspects of their life and try to prevent those health issues from ever occurring if I can. And then try to heal it with the least amount of side effects if I can too. So tell me about some of the modalities that you like to use in practice.
0: Like I know, you know, you use medications just like the rest of us, but um, tell us about some of the other things that you do.
1: Yeah, I still do general practice, so I still vaccinate. I use medications, I use NSAIDs, I use steroids, but I also do a lot of acupuncture. I mean, I I do a lot of acupuncture and it can be helpful for a lot of those, especially old dogs and old cats that have arthritis and things like that. We do a lot of nutritional management, um, talking about different diet options for dogs and cats. I do some herbal therapy and then we also do some laser therapy and we talk a lot about physical therapy because I think that's something we forget a lot in these old dogs and cats that we need to keep them moving if we're gonna keep them functioning.
0: Really, it goes beyond just keeping them moving, but those really specific exercises, yeah. so being able to offer guidance in that regard yeah. is huge.
1: Yeah, and there's some really just simple things that you can have owners do at home. I mean, if they can go see a physical therapist or a rehab therapist, that's great. But if they can't, I mean, having teaching them how to do some sit-stands at home, or right. walking up and down a hill, or walking through some sand can make a big difference for a lot of these patients.
0: Absolutely, such simple things that make such a huge yeah. impact.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Well we said we were gonna talk about f- talking about nutrition. We said we were gonna talk about feline nutrition, but we're we we're there. talking, but there's so many exciting things to talk about with integrative care because we're because you're treating the whole patient. Yes. And I feel like many of us can do this, whether or not we have acupuncture oh, and sure. herbal certifications, um, there's a lot of things that we can do with yeah. nutrition. I
1: mean a lot of it. Especially looking at nutrition, I mean, I think about what's good for me and my family, and why would I not wanna do the same thing for my dogs and cats that I have? So going back to feline nutrition, I mean, a lot of us have our cats on dry kibble. In my opinion, all cats should be on canned food. I find very few cats that I would recommend dry food for. My cats eat canned food. If I had enough time in my life, I would make their food, but that's not going to happen. Um, but I feel like canned food is a good compromise for them. And you know, cats really need to be on a high protein, low carb diet. I think a lot of the issues we see with weight, diabetes, GI issues, you know, you name it, can be solved or at least managed better with a canned diet with that higher moisture content.
0: I would say uh, the way I explain it to clients is I tell them cats are notoriously terrible yes. water drinkers, yeah. so anything that we can do to get more water yes. into their bodies. And like you said, you know, I, I certainly understand the utilization mm-hmm. of dry kibble, um, you know, food puzzles and stuff like yes. that. Oh, and definitely. That's exercise, a great way to do it. Mental stimulation. Yeah. But yeah, that moisture content and really kind of mimicking their natural diet. When I learned more about that aspect yeah. of feeding cats, it was like a light bulb came on. Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden things made sense,
1: and I went, oh, I get it. Yeah. I mean, how many block cats do you see that are on canned food? Have you ever seen one? I have no idea. (laughs) I'm trying
0: to remember the last block cat I've seen. It's been a few. It's been probably a year since I've seen a block cat. Oh, you have just changed yourself. I know. What am I doing? No, no. After the last week we had, oh my goodness, in practice, I don't, I need a little emergency break. (laughs) You do. You do. Um, But so, you know, talking about canned food, Mm -hmm. is there a specific Route you like to go with, yeah, with in you know, in general, talking to clients with canned food. Um, do you like to emphasize the homemade, or is there a certain type of food you you like? I'm gonna,
1: my clients come to me with an agenda, maybe you could say they have their own thoughts. So, the first thing I do is I just listen to them. So, I need to find out where they're starting from so that I can make those recommendations. If I'm telling a client who's been feeding dry kibble for the last you know, 50 years to 10 generations of cats to go feed homemade diet. That's that's not going to happen, but maybe I can talk to them about introducing more canned food into their diet. Now I have clients who come in and they're like, I want to feed a homemade diet and I'm going to help them do that correctly. So really, I'm going to find out where that client is and kind of meet them where they are so that we can have the the best success.
0: I, I feel like I would love to get more education and and be one of these amazing board-certified nutritionists. But sometimes I feel like that with every topic I cover that I'm like, Oh, I would like to be board certified. I would like to know more about this and this and this. But, you know, coming from a general practice standpoint for, you know, giving owners nutritional recommendations on homemade diets and things like that, how are you, how are you coming to those conclusions? Mm-hmm. How are you offering that
1: guidance? Yes. And I, one of the first things I tell my clients is I am not a nutritionist. I am not going to balance your diet for you. I just do. I don't have that education. Um, that's a complicated thing. And there are veteran nutritionists if they want to do that, you know, some of the other ways I use BalanceIt.com a lot. So that's a website that I feel comfortable talking to owners about and telling them that this is a resource that they can use. We can make a nice balanced diet that they can feed long-term. There are also other websites where you can buy pre-made food. Sure. So that would be another option. Um, Just Food for Dogs is one that also makes a cat food. Okay. So you're using balanceit.com to to help formulate these homemade diets. diets, Yes. And then there are also, you know, if we go back to dogs, I know we're kind of talking about cats right now, but for dogs, you know, if they if just through convenience sake, they need to feed some dry kibble, then we can talk about adding some whole foods to that. So, you know, they can feed 50, 80% dry food, and then make some, you know, lean meats and good vegetables and fruits and add it to that food. So they get some of that whole food benefits. I mean, when we think of these animals, they've been kind of developing alongside us for know, 10,000 years for dogs and they're used to eating our leftovers and our scraps. They've only been eating dog kibble and cat kibble for 100 years now sure sure and you know of course there's
0: a there's a huge convenience factor yeah. to feeding yeah. kibble I, know, I mean i, I definitely sure, feed I feed, kibble. yeah i feed uh, my dog kibble too because yeah. it's easier am it's making me laugh to myself a little bit because all those owners that are like yeah it's whatever is on my plate and we're like stop doing that and <laughs> now we're like actually maybe that's not that bad yeah
1: actually my clients <laughs> coming in they, they tell me they've been feeding only dog food and nothing else and i'm like well you know what actually if you want to feed them a little bit of something from the table we don't want them to beg. put it in their plate, mm-hmm. but I don't mind you sharing some of your healthy food with them.
0: Sure. Sure. Just cut back on the kibble when you do it cut
1: back on the kibble. Right. Yeah. Right. Lean meats. We're, we don't want the fat.
0: What about prescription diets sure. for different disease states? Yeah. And
1: I do use, I do use some prescription diets. So I use a lot of GI food for, for dogs and cats. It's just, again, easier for the owner to use. I do tend to go towards the canned food more than the dry food, but for some dogs, it's just more cost effective for the owners to use dry food. Right. So, I mean, we're going to be reasonable about this. And kidney disease in older cats, again, I'm going to push the owner's source the canned food, but you know, like again, I want an old cat to eat, so it's going to eat whatever it eats. And, and that kind of goes across the board for old cats. You know, again, if all they'll eat is dry food, we'll feed them dry food. But in general, I'm going to prefer canned food.
0: Those I never understand that when when owners are like and and I full disclosure yeah. I don't I don't have a cat my mm-hmm. husband's allergic but when they're like he will only eat dry food I'm yeah. like man look at this like you know stinky gravy like full of chunks of food and vegetable I'm you know speaking about
1: canned food here like and they and they yeah. would rather
0: chew on the hey yes, I mean because, to eat his yeah, own
1: cats don't want. They want to make it their decision this is true and so you just have to outlast them until they decide oh no i really do want this canned food so typically i'm going to tell owners that you got to try for at least four weeks before any cat's going to even can think about doing it so just keep trying be patient cats don't like change so tell me more about that the trying for four weeks because i don't think that's ever a conversation that i've had so I do get a lot of clients who tell me that their cat will not eat canned food, and I actually adopted a cat that would not eat canned food, and he was a male cat, and I'm like, you are going to eat canned food because <laughs> I am not dealing with a block cat. And so you just keep putting the canned food out next to the dry food, feed in meal times, pick up that dry food when the time is you know, done, and I would say that almost all of them over the course of those weeks will start going towards the canned food as you slowly decrease the amount of dry food.
0: Interesting. Okay, so let me ask you this. Um, let me play devil's advocate sure. here for just a minute, because I think of and and you know I'm the same as you, a yeah. general practitioner, and and so coming not with any special qualifications to have this opinion, but when I talk to owners about cat yeah. nutrition, I talk to them about cats' natural feeding behaviors and that they do eat throughout the day. Um, you know, if they were to be outdoor and yeah. hunting and, and this kind of you know wild cat. And so a lot of times I'll talk to them about feeding meals, but I don't necessarily have a problem with them leaving some dry food out for the cat to munch on throughout the day just to mimic that natural, like slow calorie intake throughout the day. Sometimes I'll encourage them to, well, all the time I'll encourage them, I don't know how often it happens, to maybe put that dry food in like a food puzzle that um, gives them some mental stimulation and some exercise. What's your feeling on meals versus uh, you know leaving some food out to be free fed?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that's for every family's got to decide what works for them. So if that's what works for you then that's what works for you you know a lot of times what an owner thinks is an appropriate amount of dry food and what we think is an appropriate amount of dry food are different things so it's I think using it as treats, using it in a toy. You know, just this week for my cat who likes to get into things, we took some dry kibble and put it in a box and closed the box up and told him, go get it. Oh, I'm sure he yeah. loved it. Well, actually, my other cat who didn't, who does not need the kibble found it, but oh, whatever. But <laughs> somebody had yeah, fun somebody with it. Yeah, somebody had to find yeah. it. Yeah. So great stimulation. So I think using it that way, using it as treats and just being very careful about the amount you're putting in because, I mean, we all see obesity in cats as such a major issue. And yeah. like many cat diseases, it's we overlook it a lot. Right, right, because they, they so many of them look like that. Yeah, it just looks yeah, like a cat yeah, now. Yeah. How right. many clients come in and say, Oh look, my cat looks great and are we're like, oh I think it's an eight out of nine on the BCS right. scale. Or worse, because yeah. we see so many cats that look like that, we it doesn't yeah, hang we just on don't our even radar. Bring it up. Yeah. Right. So
0: having yeah. those body condition charts and really yeah. making sure we're having those conversations Now we're talking about fat as an inflammatory (laughs) organ and disease processes. We could go down a whole rabbit hole Mm -hmm, there. mm -hmm. What what I'm wondering though is um, when it comes to whole foods and supplementing whole foods, are there any whole foods in particular that you've had a lot of success Mm -hmm. with that you really Mm -hmm. like to use?
1: You know, it somewhat depends on the condition because I do a lot of Chinese medicine with my acupuncture, my herbals, and so we're kind of looking at each patient and evaluating kind of what we call the underlying pattern there. So I'm actually gonna make recommendations based on what that patient is showing me. So for animals that are anemic, whether they're dogs or cats, we're gonna talk about what we think is colorful foods. So red meats, you know, I mean, we just kind of instinctively feed beef when we're anemic. Um, Do the same thing for your dog. If I have an anemic dog, I say go get your dog some ground beef. I gotta
0: tell you that
1: whenever I hear
0: about feeding beef to an anemic animal, it makes me think about um, when I was pregnant with my second daughter. And this just, like, illustrated this to me so clearly. I was like, oh, I get it. Because I we had a lot going on at that point, and I was struggling to keep up nutritionally um, just because I, I was stressed out, I was pregnant, there was just a lot happening. And I remember I would get really tired, yeah. and there was one day my husband asked me to meet him for lunch, and I ordered a cheeseburger and I ate the whole thing and I've like I that was the best feeling in my whole life like I was I clearly something in my body just needed red meat at that point iron and all the other things
1: that are in there and also you know colorful fruits and vegetables so greens sometimes it can be hard to get animals to eat greens probably not going to do that in a cat um, but still it can be helpful pumpkin can be another great thing that can help in a lot of situations um, you know any of your colorful squashes those kinds of things can be helpful
0: interesting yeah. interesting any other disease processes you want to touch um,
1: on let's see there are so GI disease that's pumpkin is a great soother for the GI so that's tell me where, more about
0: that because I would oh, think yeah. of it as like it potentially we use it for, fiber, diarrhea. for diarrhea, right? right. Well, but oh. I feel like so so much so many times I go for like the lower residue with diarrhea. Okay,
1: okay, yeah, and I think well, it's pumpkin's a lot of fiber, so technically it should kind of regulate. And I am not a specialist, so you know, again, I'm just a generalist. Um, but it can regulate whether you're constipated or you have diarrhea. Potentially, it's going to make it better. But in Chinese medicine, it's it's just a spleen cheat tonic. So it's going to help if you're having any deficiencies in your stomach or your spleen and kind of over time, just kind of help boost up that part of your body. I'm so interested yeah. in like the Chinese
0: yeah. side of this, because I, I think back to, to Dr. Mm-hmm. Sheehan's podcast and, and we were talking about anemia yeah. and being blood deficient. And, um, and some of the terminology, I feel like it fits in so well to what we're seeing clinically yeah. that I'm just like, I, I love learning about
1: it. That's why it was so eye opening when I went through the training for it. I'm like, Oh, well, Yeah, of course that makes sense. That's what I actually see, and now I see why this works. Mm -hmm. So it really is just, it kind of reinforces what you're already seeing clinically. And like you said, gives
0: us a lot of options Mm -hmm. to address those things without... Without necessarily having to reach for pharmaceuticals, mm-hmm. or maybe being able to use a lower dose, or making our pharmaceuticals yeah. more effective, yeah, uh, because we're we're helping to treat some of this underlying stuff. And I mean, just going back to the options, like you know, mm-hmm. if if all we have to treat something with is commercial diets, which. Yeah absolutely have their place and are, I'm, you know, I'm so grateful for them and, and I think they're they're very useful. But if we have a pet that won't eat it or, yeah. you know, gets GI upset on it and it's, it's just not working out for that pet to feed the kibble and supplement, um, to have these additional options and know how to use mm-hmm. whole foods and nutrition to really benefit our patients. Yeah,
1: yeah because, you know, I, just like everybody else, you know, my life is busy. I need that commercial dog and cat food. I feed my dog dry kibble and I add healthy leftovers and treats to it. But that convenience has definitely helped a lot of dogs and cats have much longer lifespans than they would be before they had that. We can always keep improving things. And I think there are some limitations to it. And so, you know, with what we can add to it, we can bring that level up just another notch. You know, one thing I tell my clients a lot is you can eat power bars and protein bars and live pretty well. You know, you can be pretty healthy on those, but over time, we're gonna find some health issues. You're you're missing something there, and that's where I think those benefit, those things that we can add to our kibble can just add a little bit more to it. You yeah, know, good for colon health and you know lots of inflammation in the body. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, it's so
0: interesting. Every time, every time I talk to anybody who practices yeah. integrative medicine, in particular, um, you know, acupuncture and the and the focus on nutrition and this kind of stuff. You know, you, Dr. Sheehan, so many. I just, like, I really want to dive in and learn more. I find <laughs> it so it. interesting. I know, I know. Well, it's, it's that time we've thing. we've talked about like, that a lot, too, yeah, over the yeah, years. There will 100% be commercial <laughs> food being fed if I'm taking, if I'm doing yeah. acupuncture certification. But I thank you for coming and talking yeah. to me about all of this because I just find... I find it fascinating from the nutrition standpoint yeah. in particular. But then to see the Chinese medicine principles applied to it yeah. and how it just kind of comes full circle I, it is
1: so neat. So thank you for You're joining welcome. me and having this I'm, conversation. Yeah, I'm so glad
0: to be here. Any final thoughts you want to share with everybody?
1: I So I'm going to make one plug for acupuncture and cats. Sure. Because I think it is so overlooked. And they are so responsive to acupuncture, whether it is for GI disease or osteoarthritis. They are amazing patients for acupuncture, and we see results so quickly. So that's Absolutely. my final plug for. No, I think that's a K. good
0: one, and and I can't speak to uh, experience with the cats in particular. Yeah. But I will say that you did acupuncture on a friend of mine's dog, who he has too many issues to list here today but um he's also he's also kind of mean and (laughs) he's really hard to handle and you know he was on all the medications and I went there's nothing else I can do here from a medication standpoint he's a healthy weight he eats a good diet all this stuff um and I said I think you should try acupuncture like let's just see if that helps and um she was blown away like she said he really did well and he loved it well great
1: I'm so glad that he had that response to it.
0: Yeah. So now I will keep that in mind, too, for feline yeah. patients that, mm-hmm. um, you know, for treating arthrit- arthritis in particular arthritis, or are other things.
1: They do great for arthritis. Dogs, cats. I mean, they, they both respond very well to arthritis. Really, you can use acupuncture for anything. You just may not get as predictable of results with some of the other things that we try, sure. that we treat.
0: Sure. Interesting. And what about bladder stuff?
1: Sure, yeah, we can try it. You know, for a cat that has feline lower urinary tract disease and, you know, cystitis because they're stressed, acupuncture potentially could help with that. Sure, sure. That's what I tell owners. It could potentially help. I'm not going to promise. I tell them I'm not going to promise anything, but we should try it for three treatments and if it doesn't work, then Yeah, because it's continue generally that. a
0: do no harm modality. So yeah, yeah,
1: you're not going to do any harm with it and potentially help.
0: Well, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So good nutrition Acupuncture yeah. offering a lot more options yeah, to yeah, our just patients. Yeah, Communicating
1: with your clients and seeing what what they want. Oh gosh, client communication. Mm-hmm. We could sit here for another we could hour. And yeah, we could <laughs> and we go could. down that
0: road. Mm-hmm. So, but we will wrap it up for the sake of time. Thank you for joining us. Thank great you, conversation. Cassie, it was great being here. Ruthann, I always love talking to you. I think you're just an amazing practitioner and. Love hearing the integrative principles woven into general practice. So thank you so much for coming into the fishbowl and joining me for this episode. Thank you to all of you for listening. For more episodes like this, click on the education tab on the Vetfolio website. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this talk, as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm@vetfolio.com. at you can also visit my Facebook page at DrCassieDVM and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day.